Men, thanks for listening to our 920 Man Challenge podcast. These are Bible teachings that are meant to be discussed alongside other men in community at our Blankenbaker Man Challenge gathering, where we prioritize developing a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is and authentic and intentional male relationships. We hope this teaching of God's Word grows your relationship with the Lord, and we urge you to unpack it in your relationship with others. Enjoy! Dear God, thank you for putting people like Chandler Dale uh, in my life. Thank you for uh, him choosing Louisville over Liberty. Knowing Liberty has plenty of spiritually strong Christian men. What this guy did uh, at the University of Louisville for for our program and for his teammates, uh, what an awesome experience and opportunity it was. Uh, May his words continue to challenge all those, especially young adults, that it's, it's, you don't need to wait. Now is the time. Uh, God, you grab this young man's heart uh, as, a, as a young teenager, and man, he, he, that flame was lit, and it's still burning bright today. So may his words today uh, encourage all of us, uh, and we thank you. Uh, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Coach. Whoo, uh, thank you, Coach. Uh, Coach, Coach Mack, uh, today, actually, this morning, has been married for 27 years. So if you guys would, man. <laughs> Coach, you're old. <laughs> man. A uh, couple months ago, uh, Chris asked me if I would uh, be free this, this Thursday, and, man, I said, I'll free, I'll free whatever up to be here. Uh, this room is, is holy ground for me. Not this room, but this gathering. Uh, when I was in college, I, I was in a lost place, and I, was, uh, I didn't know what to do. I was going through a lot of things, and I'll share a little bit of that here in a, in a minute, but I was like, you know what, 6 a.m., let, let's try it. So I, uh, I brought my, myself and Lincoln Hensman. We sat with, with Berkey. Wherever, it was in the, the block at the time. And, I'll, man, I'll just never forget being inspired by the fact that this room is filled at 6 a.m. Uh, so as a young husband, as a, as a young father, uh, I, I just want you to know, I, I, man, I am, I am so, so inspired by you all. That, you, that your faith and um, sacrifice to be here, to be sharpened by God is, is a beautiful thing. And to, and to, be, to be sharpened by one another. Uh, so I just want to say thank you all to, 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 for being here as well, to making the time. Um, let's get right into it. Uh, I'm going to be reading from Matthew 18 this morning. Uh, so if you want to gather, uh, if you want to go to there, if you want to open up your phone, we're going to read it together here in a second. Uh, open up your Bible, whatever it may be. Uh, and I'll just tell you a little bit about myself before before we start. Man, I, I was uh, after college. I, I, I was working at our Indiana campus for five years. So I've, I was in vocational ministry for just at five years, and I'm doing something different now. But one of the things that the Lord had pressed on me for all of those years was. Uh, a clarity on my calling. Uh, and I just want to share this verse for you. Maybe it's encouraging. Uh, this is my calling, and I think it's a calling for all of us. It's Acts eleven twenty four. 24. It says, uh, it's Luke writing about Barnabas, and he says, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and because of him, people were brought to faith. So while I am excited and grateful to be sharing words up here, uh, and while I do uh, feel called on, on occasion to do this, man, your, your calling is to be a good man. It's to be full of the Holy Spirit so that people can be brought to Jesus. 
Um, so if you would, stand up with me in, for the reading of God's word in Matthew 18 uh, so that we can focus, because I know we're a little bit sleepy this morning, at least I am, but that's all right. We're going to read the words of the Lord in this parable uh, in Matthew 18, verse 21 through 35. I'll be reading out of the NIV if you want to switch to that in your, in your app. Let's read together. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Verse 26, at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Verse 29, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And Jesus ends with this. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Before you sit down, tell, to turn to somebody next to them, give them a hug, and uh, tell them you're glad they're, glad they're here. One of, my, uh, one of my favorite things to do is to blow the dust off this history book and to show you, to show myself that it is alive for us today. It's one of, my, one of my favorite things to do. One of my least favorite things to do is read a verse like verse 35 because there's just no way to teach the scary out of it. There's not. And it's this, Matthew 18, 35, it's the last words of, of this parable. Jesus says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Whoa. I don't know about you, but I'm a problem solver. We're men in here, it's probably all of us, right? Uh, we wanna fix something, we want to make sure we have a plan if something needs fixing. And when I read this verse, I, I initially, I immediately am like, well, if that's the case, then I want a plan. How do I forgive my brother or sister from my heart? 
How do we do that? Because those are some serious words from Jesus. So if, if that's the case, then I want to I be clear, right? I want to be so clear on how to forgive what I would say freely. And that's the question I want to answer today or try to help answer is how do we become men that forgive freely? How do we do that? And that's my prayer for this, this morning as we go through this parable, is that we would pull truths out of it, realities out of it that are still relevant and so true today for us so that we can have a game plan on how to become men that forgive freely. There's three moments in this passage. How convenient, right? It's a pastor with three, three moments. There's three moments in this passage where the man in the story, again, this is a parable. This is, this is folklore. This is, this is something that didn't actually happen, but let me tell you it happens. Right? We may not have bags of gold or, or owe 100 silver coins, but you and I will find ourselves quickly in this story. And that's what Jesus does with parables. That's why this story is alive and active, because you and I can find ourselves in it fast. There's three moments where the man in this story simply screwed up. But in it, lucky for us, Jesus gives us a blueprint for you and I on how to become men that forgive freely and from the heart. The first one is in verse 24. This man who owed a lot of money, a lot of money in in today's money, it's like $100,000. So Jesus, you can imagine these people who are sitting in front of him. Uh, who just have a couple, a couple shackles, right? A couple very shekels, a couple very small things, and they're like, "Whoa!" That's, they're kind of laughing, like that's a lot of money, Jesus. Christ. Come on, a lot of money is being owed right here. And in verse twenty-four, it says, "A man who owed him ten thousand bags of gold was brought to him. Was brought to him. This man was caught." This man was in the wrong, and instead of, let's be clear, instead of going to the king, and instead of going to the king to share his wrongs and seek his forgiveness, he was brought to him. If you and I are to forgive freely, we must become men that call out our own sin. We have to. We have to become men that call out our own sin. Too often in life we go through our days and cover up our sin and let time pass so that we forget about it. And the problem with that, that it is killing us from the inside out. Our hidden sin, done in secret and kept in secret, is quietly at war with our journey to become holy. Proverbs 28, 13 says, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Why are we so quick to conceal our sin? Psalm 32.3 says this, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. We conceal and keep silent until we get caught or until we move on from the initial pain or shame and we don't allow the power of confession to invite God's forgiveness into our life. We delete the apps to remove it from our screen time. We clear out our Facebook search history so we don't have proof. We convince ourselves that our time spent away from our family is for providing for them when in reality we're ashamed of our poor relationships at home. Whatever it is, we do our best to keep a clean conscience while we have dirty souls. This man in the story was lucky, actually, to be caught. 
At the very least, he was given a chance to change. But most of us, most of us, me, we're good at not getting caught. We're good at sweeping it under the rug. And we are also certainly good on not outing ourselves of our sin. In 2016, I was on a mountaintop in Utah with some buddies of mine, and it was the very first time, very first time I admitted to living a life of sexual immorality. And it had taken me until I was 21 years old to confess a decade-long issue with everything, everything under the sun. A decade long of not catching myself and confessing my brokenness. And I convinced myself that I, was, I wasn't actively wronging anyone, so I'll just hide it, I'll sweep it under the rug, while all the while I was wasting away, like Psalm 32 said. So for you, what have you concealed? What is secret for you? Maybe it's not as obvious as mine was. But for you, what is, what is it? What is, how is your ego What would your bank statement reveal about your holiness? If your thoughts were out in the open, how many of them would honor the Lord? What have we concealed that is is killing us? To become men that forgive freely, we must become men that call out our own sin. The second thing is this, in verse 26 and 28, I'll read it for us. At this, the servant who was caught in his sin was brought before the king, fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go, and nothing changed. He He left the king's feet And nothing was different other than he left with a little bit of a lighter load and his debt paid. Nothing changed. He was there. He was there in his embarrassment and in his shame, in his desperation. He begged and pleaded and the king gave him what he asked for and nothing changed. To become men that forgive freely, we must go to God for transformation, not the transaction. We must go to God for the transformation, not the transaction. And he was at the king's feet. And instead of holding his hands up in worship, sorry, in reverence and in awe, he held his hands out to receive what he needed, and then he left. In our distracted and busy life, I'll be the first to agree, it has become very easy and simple to be transactional in our journey with God. I went to church, I gave my money, I served a bit, I came to Man Challenge, and then we leave, but we're the same as before we walked in. And if you're here, praise God. Man, I already told you, I I honor you for being here. I'm grateful for your sacrifice. And I just want you to know that he doesn't want your attendance. You know this, you've heard this. He does not want your attendance, he wants your heart. He doesn't want your tithe, he wants your time. He wants your heart behind your giving. He doesn't want your talents, he wants your entire being. So my question for you this morning is, why are you here? And if you haven't really thought about it, I encourage you to do so. Are you here because your wife wants you here? Are you here because you want to network? Are you here for the transaction? 
Or are you here to sit at the king's feet long enough to be transformed by the power of his word that reveals our need for him and need for accountability and growth through relationship with one another? A couple weeks ago, I was asked to do a funeral uh, for a woman, a great woman who died too young, left behind her family, a, a, new, a new grandchild. And it was, to be honest with you, one of the more emotional funerals that I've ever been a part of. It was, it was devastating. After the funeral service, <clears throat> everyone's going up to the family and uh, giving their, their words of love and, and sharing their uh, the heartbreak as well with the family. And then many people as well came up to me to the side and, and just thanked me. That thank you for your words. Thank you for honoring her life. Thank you for you know, what you said. Thank you for sharing the gospel. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And it got so much that I was starting to feel good about myself. <laughs> man, this, man if, I'm, if I'm being really honest, if I'm being vulnerable right now, it felt good to be thanked that many times. Like, man, I, <laughs> I deserve that, right? And when everyone left, I had a moment I'll never forget. I was watching the family over the casket and to the right of their shoulders, kind of hidden in the corner is a, is, a, is, a, is a picture, was a picture of the white Jesus, you know, the one where his hands are like this. It was in the corner and I saw it and I locked eyes with that picture and it was like everything around me was silent. I couldn't hear the music. I couldn't hear the words. Everything was silent and he whispered to me something I'm still wrestling with. He said, Chandler, do you follow me because you love me? Or do you follow me because you like what I've done for your image? Oof. And I'll ask you the same. Do you follow Jesus for what he can do for you? Or what he can do in you? Because to become men who forgive freely... We must go to God for transformation, not a transaction. At this point in our story, this man has been caught in his sin. And instead of confessing, uh, he gets his time with the king's feet and, 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 and he didn't stay long enough to be transformed. He got what he wanted and then he left unchanged. Then he walks away and instantly goes out to find the person that owes him 100 silver coins when he was just forgiven a debt of 100 bags of gold. I'm sorry, 10,000 bags of gold. In verse 29, it'll be up for, here for us. He says, he said, the, the, the person with the small amount of change says to this man who was just forgiven, he says, be patient with me and I'll pay it all back. And he puts the man in prison. Let's go back to verse 26. When this man was first caught and when he's sitting at the king's feet, here's what he says. Be patient with me and I'll pay it all back. Same exact phrase. But when you don't confess your own sin, when you don't receive the transforming grace of Jesus, it's difficult to see past how people have wronged you. This man did not truly receive forgiveness, so he could not forgive the person that owed him some chump change. He forgot. He just forgot. 
a couple moments ago, he forgot that his entire family was at risk of being taken from him as a trade for his debt. He forgot, he forgot his own brokenness. And I'll be honest, I'll be the first one to say, forgiveness is difficult. It is. Forgiveness is difficult. People can be mean and ugly, and as followers of Jesus, it can be sometimes feels, sometimes feels like we are a forgiveness doormat being abused for our kindness, being abused for our grace. And I know in your life there is a, bro- a broken relationship that you haven't quite forgiven. I know there is a coworker or a boss that has wronged you or doesn't even know it. And I know there are people in here that have forgiven. Maybe it's a, a, a father or a parent or somebody who has been wronged, who has wronged you, and you've been scarred by them. It's hard, man. It's hard. Whatever your situation is, forgiveness is difficult. Sometimes seems impossible. until you remember the wickedness of your own heart. Until you remember when you had to be brought along to the king's feet. Until you remember when you were begging and pleading to be pardoned. Forgiveness is difficult until you remember you. Colossians 3.13 says, Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I love this quote from Timothy Keller. God's grace and forgiveness, while free to the recipient, are always costly for the giver. And from the earliest parts of the Bible, it was understood that God could not forgive without sacrifice. No one who is seriously wronged can just forgive the perpetrator. But when you forgive, that means you absorb the loss and the debt. You bear it yourself. All forgiveness, then, is costly. And he goes on to say, you have to submit to the costly suffering and death of forgiveness if there is going to be any resurrection. For you and I to become men who forgive freely, we must remember that our forgiveness was costly. Romans 5, 6 says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. A transformed man, you and I, who want to be transformed by the power of Jesus, we give forgiveness freely, not because it's easy to do or the right thing to do, but because he knows, we know that our forgiveness was costly. And oh, how costly it was. Just ask the person that asked this question, that led to this parable from Jesus. Peter asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive someone that wronged me? Is it seven? Now at this time, you need to know that when when Peter said seven, it was actually a radical thing to say. It was a radical number to use because Jewish law says, hey, up to three times. Forgive, up to three times. When Peter says seven, he's thinking like, man, I'll I'll extend that a little bit. Jesus, what do you think, seven? Is that about the right number? And Jesus doesn't just share a story that it should be more than seven. He writes the story of forgiveness for Peter. And you know it. You know the story. Jesus, on his way to the cross to shed his blood for the forgiveness of the world, had a friend that was so scared of his fate that he denied his relationship with him three times. Three times, Peter said, I don't know him. I don't. I don't know him. 
scared of that fate, I don't know him, then the rooster crowed and Peter, responsible for this parable of forgiveness, was in desperate need of it on his own. And we know it. Jesus triumphed over death and the grave, and later on, while hanging with his friends, he pulled Peter aside, didn't just forgive him, but he went above and beyond. For each of Peter's three denials, Jesus didn't forgive him, but he gave him back his purpose, and he reinstated him to the mission that he called him to. For each of Peter's three mistakes, Jesus' forgiveness matched it. Early this year, I was, uh, I was a part of a Bible study group that met at our local coffee shop in Indiana, and it grew organically. It was, it was, it was not, uh, we really didn't have much of a plan. <laughs> it grew organically, but our commonplace wasn't our church past or our desire for growth, but it was our broken past. You look around the whole table, it was a brokenness, deep, deep brokenness. And each week, like I said, we didn't have a plan, but each week the Spirit brought out of that group our addictions, our previous addictions, the the things that we were healing from. Uh, And it was, I'm telling you all, it was powerful. It was powerful. One week I was listening to someone and I was just in awe of God's power, his love and forgiveness. As I looked at men who had been healing from addiction to porn, weed, cocaine, sex, alcohol, gambling, it's not an exaggeration. I was, bl- I was blown away by the forgiveness of God. And we were talking about this story, the story of Peter. When he denied Jesus three times, then Jesus reinstated him three times. We were talking about this. And that's something to me, to be honest with you, I've become numb to that beautiful part of Scripture. It's become common knowledge. Yeah, yeah, it's three times Jesus reinstated. It's pretty cool, pretty cool. It's very intentional. Good job, Jesus. Something that was numb to me was not numb to that group of guys. It blew them away. And one gentleman in particular, it clicked. He said, and he turned to me with healing tears running down his face. He said, so this means that Jesus forgives me the same amount of times that I've wronged him? Yes, brother. Does. Acts 3.19 says this. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And Jesus, at the end of this parable, let's remind ourselves this, he says, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I hope you see, men that this parable isn't about forgiving people 77 times. It's about being transformed to have a heart that can forgive freely. And if you haven't received that forgiveness, if you're at number one, you're like, what is 77? If you haven't even received number one, and you don't know where to turn to, you don't even know how to forgive freely if you haven't been forgiven freely, you're in a good place. If you and I want to become men that forgive freely, just like the story says, we must call out our own sin. We must go to God for transformation, not a transaction. And you and I, every day, 
when we look at the people who have wronged us, must remember that our forgiveness was costly. Let me pray for us. God, I'm looking at the faces of my Bible study crew and I'm thankful. And my prayer is that we would not become numb to your power, that we would not become numb to your love and we not become numb and, and, and hide ourselves from your forgiveness. We are broken. We will wrong you today. So Jesus, forgive us. Forgive us for the things we don't need forgiveness from so that we can be people that share your love not by our words, but by our forgiveness. God, may we become men that forgive freely. Not because we need to, not because Jesus said do it 77 times, no, but because we have been forgiven much, so we must forgive much. Lord, I pray for the conversations that follow at tables today, this morning. Lord, would you have your way would you remove barriers? Would you soften hearts? God, may we become men that are like you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for your son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to this week's Bible teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description or find us on social media.